Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. And so let's stand and find on Colossians 1 and and let's read this together. Colossians 1 and verse number 1. I wanted to read this for context sake. Colossians 1 and verse number 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God in Timotheus, our brother, to the saints... And faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye have heard before in the word of the truth, of the gospel which has come unto you as it is in all the world and bringeth forth fruit. Uh, you remember what we just said a moment ago? Truth triumphs when it's delivered. And that's exactly what Paul just said there. It brings forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. As ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and, and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might and according to the glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us a meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And I don't know about you, amen. Praise the Lord for this. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist." And he is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be uh, things in earth or things in heaven. And God's people said, 
Amen. Praise the Lord. Father, would you guide us tonight as we look at this message and this um, passage of Scripture. May it be a help to your church, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And let's be seated. Thank you for standing. Tonight's message, preeminently enough, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to know that Paul is writing to the believers there at Colossae, uh, whom he may never have met. It's not uh, absolutely for certain, but he's writing it to them. Obviously, you heard there in verse number seven, he learned of, uh, of this message from Epaphras and learned about some of their love for the faith and love for the things of God and love for all the brethren. Uh, his location is uncertain at this, uh, at this time. If he was in Ephesus around 120 miles away from Colossae, uh, then he wrote the letter around 54 uh, to 57 AD. It could have been written uh, during one of his imprisonments. And so here is this letter of Paul encouraging these uh, Colossian believers, a, a literal location. If you remember, it, it's there in Asia, and, and it was a, a place that Paul had a burden for, and he'd heard their faith and wanted to encourage along. Obviously, these letters don't just have bearing upon the city they're written to. They were oftentimes read um, broadly to the other cities, and so uh, God has a desire that we have this today. He inspired Paul to write this letter. Uh, when exactly, we might not know, but he, uh, he inspired Paul to write this letter, and we have the Word of God here in front of us today. But this letter um, specifically targets, in the minds of the Colossian believers, this matter of the supremacy of Christ, the exalted nature of Christ. There were false teachers that were coming in and saying, hey, it's really good to believe in Jesus Christ, but there's more things that you need to continue on and you need to be involved in and you need to uh, add to Jesus Christ. Jesus is a good start, but there's other things that you need to know about. And Paul says, no, 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 no. It's not more than Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is preeminently enough. He is all that you need. He is, he is supreme in his power. He's supreme in his authority. He's supreme in his sufficiency. He is enough. And as we come to verses 15 through 18, we find that Paul specifically exalts Jesus Christ in the eyes of the, uh, the, uh, the Colossian believers and says, listen, I want you to know that he is preeminent, and it starts all the way back at creation. I remind you of Romans 11 and verse number 36. The Bible says, For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. What does amen mean? So be it. Amen. And we should uh, as well have a rise in our hearts. For of him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever. Amen. Amen. We want him to get glory in our own lives. And I want us to remember tonight that Jesus Christ is exalted and we should give him glory for his position, for who he is. I want us to realize the position that Jesus holds in verse number 15, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, the position that Jesus holds. First of all, we see that Paul exalts Jesus as the firstborn of every creature or of creation. And he exalts him in that way. He says he's the exact representation of the Father. He's the exact representation of the Father. And it says in Hebrews, verse, on chapter 1 and verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had himself by himself purged our sins, sitting down at the right hand of his majesty on high. He is the express image. He is the very image of the Father. Uh, you might remember when Jesus was telling his disciples, hey, I'm going away, and they're wondering about this, and hey, wh where are you going to be going? And Jesus said, uh, I, I, I want you to know I'm going to prepare a place for you, 
And he says, well, how will we know the way? Jesus says, I am the way, help me, the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Well, well Philip comes along and says, uh, how, how can we know and see the Father? In verse number 9, Jesus says, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. He that hath seen me has seen the Father. God the flesh. Jesus came down and took on flesh as God and, and, and walked among us, lived among us full of grace and truth. And he's the firstborn of creation. He is the express image here of a very God. It also says he's the firstborn. It implies that Jesus is priority to all creation and time and his sovereignty over all creation in rank he is over above and uh, at all in the old testament as we think about the the firstborn child he not only had the priority of birth but the the priority of dignity and superiority that went with it he was exalted in the family he had a he had a ranking and so jesus as the one he is not created that's not what that word in, in implies at all he was eternal we do not believe as some religions that Jesus became God when he um, came to earth or after his baptism. He's eternally God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, help me, was God. And so we believe that about him, but he is, he is firstborn of creation. He is above it in rank. He's above it in person. He has an exalted status. Revelations 1 and verse number 7, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also uh, uh, which pierced him and all kindreds of the earth shall wail before him even so amen and i believe i wrote down the wrong reference there and so that's uh that is what it is okay and i'm reading along there and thinking that's not the verse i wanted um, but nonetheless read down into colossians 1 and verse number 16 for by him and and uh, for by him are all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him. And by him all things consist. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. Notice it says, and before all things. That's our Savior. He's firstborn. He's above it all. Paul exalts him as, a, as the creator of all things. We need to remember that the Savior whom we serve is the firstborn of creation. He's the firstborn. He has, he has power over all this. That's not something that our world wants to recognize. But it is something that we ought to recognize. We're all worried these days about global warming and about all these different matters. Jesus has all things in hand, doesn't he? Uh, Jesus is not fretting himself about the world. It will, it will be here as long as he determines it will be here. Now look back at that verse again with me. It says there in verse number 16, and all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. All things are held together. Uh, the, the, literally the idea of holding together uh, an atom, it, it is held together by God. And man does not understand how it is all held together, but uh, the Bible explains it to us that Jesus himself is holding all things together, and there will come a time though God will not judge the earth with, with uh, a flood again. And aren't we thankful for that? There will come a time where he will bring fire upon this earth and it will burn up with a fervent heat. And I believe with all my heart that that's the moment when Jesus just lets go. It consists by him. It ma it's maintained by him. What an exalted creator we serve. What an exalted sustainer we serve. How should we not worship him when we see a sky like last night? 
I mean, praise the Lord, it was just beautiful what God had done and, and, and colored the sky. Just stand back and marvel at the beauty of God's handiwork in creation. And that's the Savior in which we serve. He's the firstborn over all that. He has priority in creation. He has superiority in creation. He is sufficient in all things. Revelation uh, 4 and verse 11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for... Why? For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they were created. Praise the Lord. You know, as you work your garden and mow your grass, and now this time of year cut down your hostas, everything was created for his glory. Everything was created for his glory. Now, again, our world has begun to worship the creature more than the creator. We are not to do that. We are to worship the Creator. Worship Jesus, my friends, as we've done tonight in song. Worship Him. He is the firstborn of every creature. And Paul goes on to say He's not just the firstborn of every creature. In verse number 18, He is the head of the church. Read verse 18 with me, the first phrase. And He is the head of the body. The head simply means a leader, a person of authority, the person who is in charge. When I, uh, I mentioned this morning, I, I work with the chaplaincy. If I'm called out to a, to a scene, I often ask the dispatch before they send me out, who is, the, who is the officer in charge? Who's in charge? Who do I talk to when I get there? That's the person I need to take orders from and find out what to do, what they need me to do, and so on. And the officer in charge is an important person on the scene. Well, Jesus is the officer in charge of the church. It's not you, it's not me. And how is that, that actually lived out? Some people say, well, uh, you know, religion is just, you know, just a network. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, an organized thing that's just all led by men. There are some, there are some, there are some religions and some churches that are, that are led or dictated by men and Jesus has been scooted out. Would you agree with me on that? That is not what we want to be. And as long as we're opening up the Word of God and, and rightly dividing the Word of God, Jesus is allowed to be the head. It's when this thing gets closed, just listen to me. Don't close your Bibles and listen to me. That's the type of thing that, that we know Jesus has, has been scooted out of the church. If, it is, if, if this is, in the beginning, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, as long as this is open and we have our nose in the book, we are applying it to our lives and living according to the best of our ability with the help of Almighty God, we know that Jesus is still guiding us. I'm thankful for that. And we need to be, remain committed to that. We need to remain committed to that as individuals in, a, in, our, in our church body. This is the word and we must exalt it. He is the head. He must be the, the person of authority, the person in charge. So when we read it, yes, sir, Lord. That's what you tell me to do? Yes, sir, that's what I will do. He is the head of the body. Now notice, he did not say the head of an organization. He said the head of a body. It's an organism. It's a, a living organism. It's not an organization that's cold. And sometimes people say, well, if the church would do that. And then I ask, who is the church? Or what is the church? Well, if the church would have cared for me, well, did you get a call from one of the other members in the church? Then the church cared for you. The church loved you. Why? Because it's not this organization. It's, it's an organism. And you know what? 
You're the hands, you're the mouth, you're the eyes, you're the mind, you're the, you're the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ, the body. It's a body, and we are representing him in this place and in this city, in this community, in your workplace, and so on. Jesus said that it is his body and his church, Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What would it be built upon? The truth of his deity, who he is as very God, eternal God. Ephesians 1 and 22 says, and he hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. It's his body. Jesus tells us as husbands in Ephesians chapter 5, husbands, help me guys, husbands, love your wives, even as, help me guys, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Right? He uses, he uses his relationship with the church to urge husbands to love their wives unconditionally. That's a pretty amazing pretty amazing illustration right there but that's what jesus gives to us he gave himself for it as his own body his body belongs to him and he has absolute authority over it he is exalted and supreme in his position over the church in fact the bible tells us paul giving uh, lessons to the ephesian pastors in that pastor's conference we covered in the book of acts acts 20 28 take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Lord or the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the flock of God or the church of God, which is, is purchased with his own blood. He literally tells pastors, hey, it isn't yours, you're an overseer, and I purchased it, and now take care of it. Take care of it. Nurture it. Help it along. Help them to me. Help them to me. And a good pastor is going to always be pointing towards the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all going to be pointing up. He's exalted. He's the one that needs to be preeminent in our lives and in our church. And so we must stay focused on that. Why? Because it's his body. It belongs to him. He is exalted in this way. He is the head or the person in charge of the church. We want to remain that way. By the way, you do realize that it takes the whole church body to keep it that way. It can't just be the pastor saying, well, he needs to be in charge. We all have to say he needs to be in charge. Are you with me on that? We all have to, we all have to acknowledge that. We all have to place him in charge. And friends, if he's not in charge in your heart, you're not helping him to be in charge in our church collectively. We all must engage in this. It's not enough for a few people. Every one of us must allow him to be head of the body in our, in our hearts, in our, in our lives. And so the position Jesus holds is the head of the church and the firstborn of, of every creature. And praise the Lord for that. He's, he's high and exalted and we, we worship him in that status. But notice in this body, which is called the church here in verse number 18, he also notes that he includes people. I want us to realize this. And he is the head of the body the church the church well what is the church what is the church there's 110 references or so in the new testament on referring to the church where it's mentioned the large majority of those mentions are not referring to uh to all those that have been saved in this dispensation is referring to a local assembly of believers 
and we, uh, we understand that God is concerned with us here at Grace Baptist Church in the middle of Kettering, and he's concerned with other local assemblies around our area and throughout our, throughout our country. He is concerned, and he writes his words specifically to a place called Colossians, and he had a message for them that, that affects us here today. And so there's many references to the church, but what is the church? We've defined it as a called-out assembly of saved and baptized individuals from the world to Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. It's a called out assembly of saved and baptized believers called out from the world to Jesus Christ. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. It says in Acts 2 and verse number 41, then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And so we understand that, yes, the church in a, in a general sense uh, means all those that have believed on Jesus Christ and identified, uh, and identified with him uh, uh, in this dispensation. We, we believe that um, baptism isn't a, a, a part of our salvation. It is an, a, a way of identifying, I have decided to follow Jesus. But those that have been saved in this dispensation are part of the church, but uh, Jesus may mainly speaks throughout the New Testament to the local assemblies, just like this here today. Now, in this assembly of called-out saved individuals, there are many. There are many different types. You know, it seemed like the king of all the ages. It seemed like the creator of all the earth, the universe. You see the stars? I don't know, I, I walked down on our deck this morning and it was unusually clear and, and, and the stars were just bright. Out at the camp out, the guys, you look up and you see the stars out there and, and, and uh, up at Kaiser Lake, just gorgeous. I, I think, Donovan, didn't you get up, uh, not Donovan, Landon, didn't you get up uh, uh, early on Friday morning about 5 o'clock and see the stars? What did you see out there? Big Dipper, they're pretty bright. Wouldn't you think that... God who created all that just casts the stars out there and knows them by name, and that's, pretty, that's a pretty mind-blowing thought. Then you think that he would call together something a little bit more fit than us. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it just stand to human logic that, I mean, he would, he would want, you know, real sharp individuals, you know, those without a past, and those that are straight arrows, and he, just, he would just want, the, you know, the, the cream of the crop. And I started to think about the, the New Testament and the disciples Jesus called Andrew, Peter, James, and John, sons of Zebedee, worked as fishermen. Not an illustrious, lucrative uh, career. They quite stinky, actually. I mean, it just wasn't, it wasn't uh, the, the top of the top of the careers. Peter denied Christ. James and John fought for prominence right in front of Christ as Jesus is going to Jerusalem. They're fighting for prominence. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Matthew was a, uh, was a, uh, a tax collector who worked for the Roman government. And they thought he was a traitor to his own people. Simon was a zealot, uh, engaged in um, politics anarchy and attempting to overthrow the Roman government. Judas uh, served as a treasurer, and we found out that he's a thief. Paul was a persecutor. Bar um, Bartimaeus, as we learned this morning, was a blind man. He, what could he offer, uh, offer the Lord with his, blind, um, with his blindness? And, and yet the Lord brought him to himself and gave wholeness uh, so that he, he, could, uh, he could do something with, uh, with the Lord and following him. Aquila and Priscilla were tradespeople, uh, tent makers, and uh, again, uh, even in Corinth, were not looked, up, uh, looked at as, as high and lofty people. They were tradespeople. Uh, the woman at the well, 
Uh, she was uh, experienced multiple broken relationships, and yet Jesus worked in her life. The maniac of Gadara was demon-possessed until he met Jesus and cut himself, and no doubt even in, in following on Jesus and witnessing, he still had the marks of the, all the cuttings that he, he did to cope with the pain that he was going through. And you think about all this, and, and the fact is, Jesus includes anyone who will receive him by faith. Jesus includes people like you and me. In this thing called his body, the church. And for someone who is so exalted and preeminent and supreme over all creation and all things, it's amazing that he would include you and me. And then he would try to accomplish something in this world through us. I don't know about you, I'm broken. Too many times. And yet the Lord works and uses, and it's amazing to me what God does through people like us, people like you and me included in his body to continue his purpose in this world. He went back to heaven. He gave us his Holy Spirit. He started on earth, as we mentioned this morning, for the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. That was his purpose. He came to seek and to save that which is lost, to serve not to be served, but to serve. You know what? He includes people like me with broken pasts, people like you with broken pasts, with hurts, problems, shortfalls. And he says, I want you to carry on my purpose. And I want you to exalt me as preeminently enough as the preeminent one, the supreme one in all the earth. I want you just to exalt me through your life Show others the wholeness that I bring to you. I want you to serve others like I did. I want you to bring them the message of reconciliation like I was doing while I was on earth. Continue my work. And, you know, I was thinking about this. When I or we as a believer decides to serve and live for oneself, not presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, it's a tragic neglect of the purpose that Christ has called us to. He came and established a direction, a purpose, and then he includes people like us with all sorts of, all sorts of baggage and, and, and issues, and he says, now, now carry it on. And, and, and all he's asking is, don't serve yourself, serve me. Exalt me. Make me the most preeminent one in your life. Exalt me, serve others, love others. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. If ye have loved one for another, do this, carry on my purpose... And we have an option as people that Christ includes in this body. Do we follow his purpose or do we seek our own? It really comes back to this question again. Is he preeminently enough in our lives? Is he preeminently enough for you tomorrow? Or do I have to have something else beyond Jesus in order to satisfy? Is he enough? If the hurricane or the tornado comes through our homes, is Jesus enough to worship on Sunday when I've lost everything. Is he enough? Is he enough? Just as a human body, one man said, is a vehicle by which the person expresses himself, so the body of Christ is the vehicle which he has on earth by which he chooses to express himself in the world. Let's grab a hold of this. It's not an organization that's reaching out to Kettering. It's you as an individual, as an organism, are the hands, the body of Jesus Christ. The body of Christ will disperse from this room and will go out into the community this week in all different places, in all different opportunities, and we have the option either to serve ourselves or serve him and exalt him 
And when we do, when we exalt him and when we serve him and serve others, it's amazing what God can do through that, that life. It's amazing what God can do through his body. And that's what he wants to do. And yet he includes people like us. What a privilege, friends. What a glorious privilege he gives to us. And so because of the position he holds as high and lofty, the, the firstborn of every creature, the head of the, the body, and he holds this among the people he includes like you and me, it demands that we give attention to this reality that Jesus deserves preeminence. It says there in verse number 18, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Why? That in all things he might have the preeminence that he might have the preeminence the beginning he's the author of our salvation is that not what hebrews 12 and verse number one and two says he's the author and the finisher of our salvation he's the firstborn from the dead he was the first to rise from the dead and to get a new body and and to have and be glorified in that way and and he stands in heaven throughout all of eternity with the scars that as a reminder to you and i that he went to the cross for us but he was the firstborn and as he rose we too will rise as we've believed in him we we identify as we baptized brother andy uh, on on friday uh, I, I, we identify in the death the burial and the resurrection of the lord jesus christ that's our future praise the lord he's the first he's the firstborn from the dead he's the first to rise in an immortal body and as such he heads a whole new order as its sovereign as its supreme one as its authoritative one but now is christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. And it says, because of this, or uh, by this, he should have preeminence. He should have preeminence. Since this is the reality that he's the firstborn from the dead, he should have preeminence. He should be first. He should become ranking above all others. This should become the attribute of Christ from your perspective. Now listen, how do you view Jesus Christ tonight? How do you view Jesus Christ? Who is he to you? Have we, have we diminished his position in our hearts? Is he just the, the one who saved us and, and we're thankful for him? Or is he the one that we've exalted high in our hearts over every problem, over every person, over every opinion of man, over every news story, over every other church or religious organization, over over that which the world throws against us and opposes us? Is he exalted? Does he have first place? Is he become ranking above all of those things? This needs to be the reality in our daily lives. He is to have consistent, everyday preeminence in our hearts. Christ, as one man said, cannot be second anywhere. I say that again. Christ cannot be second anywhere anywhere he is the firstborn of every creature because he has created everything he is also the firstborn from the dead in connection with the redeemed and the heavenly family thus creation and redemption hand the honors of supremacy to uh, to him because of who he is and what he has done that in all things he might have the preeminence he is first everywhere and he must be first in our hearts the Lord Jesus has double preeminence at creation 
And because he founded the church, he's the firstborn from the dead. And friends, we must give him double um, preeminence in our hearts. And listen, when we go out and worship him in this way throughout the, the, the city and the community this week and throughout our families this week, it will make a difference. When we make much of Jesus, what did he say? If I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. Sometimes we get so focused on we got to draw all men to Jesus when we really should just focus on the fact of lifting up Jesus Christ. He is lovely. That's why we're doing the John Challenge. Because the word of God is enough to draw hearts to himself. When you expose Jesus and who he is, it will draw hearts. And we praise the Lord for that. It's a wonderful thing to be engaged in. He is the first to rise from the dead so that he might be attributed preeminence in your life and in this church body as a local assembly. So the real question tonight is this. Does Jesus have preeminence in your life? And if we cannot say that individually, if we cannot answer that in the affirmative individually, then that legitimately affects our church family. Because every one of you are important to that happening in our church. We must allow Jesus to be preeminent in our church. Preeminent, lifted up high. He must have preeminence over my heart, over my experiences, over my family traditions, over my schedule, over my bank account, over my possessions, over my clothing, over my weekends, over my children, over my spouse, over my career path, over my hobbies, over my entertainment, over my pastimes. He is to have preeminence over everything. He is to be exalted. And every heart here tonight ought to say, yes, yes, I want them to be preeminent. And perhaps there's some things that you've exalted as idols in your heart. I just wonder tonight, you might answer this question. What is it right now that you need? And I'm not going to ask you to, un to, un to speak it out, but maybe you'd allow it to come to mind. What is it right now that you need this week? Think about the problems you have. Think about the things that you're looking forward to, the schedule that you have. What is it right now that if you could have, whether it's tangible or an intangible thing, maybe a person, maybe provision, again, intangible, tangible, what is it right now that you need to settle your heart for everything to be okay? Is there something that comes to mind? Is there something that comes to mind? If I just had this or that person or that answer or that situation resolved or that amount of money or that position, it would solve everything. Everything would, that, if I could just get there. You know how sometimes we say, oh, I just wish it would go back to normal. If I could just get back to normal, then I could walk with God. Right? If it just got, you know, everything was smooth, then, then. What is that one thing? And likely, friends, that one thing that comes to the top of our mind is something that we have turned into an idol. Because if that answer is not Jesus Christ, then something else has replaced him. We put something else in his place, and that's an idol that needs to be torn down. I want you to turn to John, 1 John, chapter number 5. 
1 John. And because I'm challenging us in this way, as we just draw this to a a conclusion, I'd like someone else to help me out with this because I'm thinking of a passage of Scripture. The Bible tells us to keep ourselves from idols. Someone help me out with that reference there. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. If you find that, help me out. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. But I want, I, want, I want to read that and I want to put our eyes on it and then I want to be done. Does Jesus have priority or preeminence in your heart? What has been exalted in your life? What has been exalted in your life? I need this, then I'll be happy. Or I need this and then I'll be fulfilled. I need this, I'll be okay. Little children, anyone find that for me tonight? 521. 1 John 521. Thank you. 1 John 521. Well, it was right there. Good. All right, what's the verse, brother, you were thinking of? In, in Thessalonians. Okay. 1 John 521. All right, let's read this out loud together. Are you all there? 1 John 521. All right, let's read it together. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Amen there's something preeminent in our hearts. There's always something preeminent. The question is, who is preeminent? Or what is preeminent? But Paul's challenge to them, as they were being taught by false teachers, you need something more than Jesus, his challenge was, no. You just need Jesus. And he needs to be preeminently enough in your heart. And I don't know about you, but let's just take some time to pray tonight and ask the Lord to search us, and to show us, Lord, maybe you'd say to you, child, you've allowed this, this person, or this resolution, or this, this issue in your life to become more preeminent to you than Jesus. Let's confess that, and let's go into this week allowing Jesus Christ to be preeminent. Would you stand with me in an attitude of prayer tonight? Let's stand together. Is Jesus preeminently enough for you? Is he enough? The music is going to play, and we're going to have opportunity to, to find a place to, to pray tonight. Now I'm going to pray. I hope you'll pray. Is Jesus preeminently enough for you? Let's bow. Lord, tonight as we just wrap up this Lord's Day that you've given to us, we ask that you would help us to keep ourselves from idols. We ask that you would help us to put you in your rightful place, the first placed the preeminent place the place of supreme authority in our lives individually so this might be true of our church collectively lord we ask for this and we ask your help and i pray that every one of us would make this decision personal before we leave tonight in jesus name amen with your heads bowed let's pray and do business with the lord Find a place to pray tonight. Find a place to kneel before your Savior. You're welcome to come here. Kneel there at your seat. But let's pray. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Allow nothing to be in that preeminent place. We live in a day of technology. It's easy to get on the scroll. Used to be surfing channels. Now it's flipping the thumb for hours. 
Oh, how this becomes an idol. Just got to know a new thing. Got to stay informed. Well, it wears down our resolve to live for Jesus. Father, thank you for this challenge from your word tonight, from the mouth of the Apostle Paul to the Colossian believers. And Lord, we have greatly benefited from it. Lord, I pray that you'd be preeminent in this church. May you be exalted. Lord, we sure do love you. And we're thankful to be called the children of God. We're thankful to be a part of this family. And Lord, we thank you for those that you're adding to our our number and Lord, we pray for those that have not been able to be with us uh, throughout this day. We pray your blessing and your help uh, for them and encouragement. Strengthen them with all might in the inner man. And I pray that we would reach out and encourage one another. And in all things, Lord, in our conversations throughout this week, that we would exalt you. That we would not exalt problems. That we would not exalt sin. That we would not exalt gossip. That we would not exalt division but that we would exalt you. And I pray that you would be supreme even in our conversations. Lord, we desperately need your help in this way, and so we ask for it, knowing that you want to give us that by your Holy Spirit. We pray that you go with us, give us safety as we travel, and I pray that you bring us back on Wednesday night rejoicing in your presence, and I pray that you'd feed us with spiritual food. Lord, bless us, read John Challenge. Pray that we'd be able to invite people to that this week, and I pray that we'd be able to encourage people to get into your word and see you face to face in your, in your living word. Would we see a harvest of souls even just this month from getting people to read your word? Help us, Lord. Give us direction. Give us courage. We pray. Thank you for this day that you've given to us. You're so good to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.